Welcome back to Are You a Fan, where we explore individual characters from your favorite sci-fi, action, and fantasy genres. A big thank you to Moonbound Productions for supporting today's episode. If you would like to express your support, please like and share the show. Here's your hosts, Dick Rail and Joker. Hey folks, Dick Rail here with Joker. Um, give us a like, follow, share, and uh, you know maybe a comment or two. So, Joker, question leading into the character and the event of this month. What is the most awkward and or funny slash tragic wedding story you got? So, really the only funny one, honestly, really the only wedding story I have at this point. Um, back when my brother was getting married, God, forever ago, um, he was in the middle of a dance. He reached down to grab one of my nieces and his pants just split right up the seam. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, that, that that is definitely the the best wedding story I have. Oh yeah, that's pretty. I, I'm sorry, Stephen, but you had to be uh, the the story this week. <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna lie, that's a pretty solid one. That's a pretty. <laughs> It's a hard one to top, but I, okay, not as like, <laughs> like comedically, physically funny as yours. Mine is, uh, for those of you who don't know out there, Dick Rail and Joker are registered ministers. So we can marry and bury, hopefully not on the same day. But I was performing a wedding for my friend and, you know, comes the part where, you know, you say, you may kiss the bride, and you're supposed to say, I now pronounce you Mr. and Mrs. the last name. Well, I had forgotten his last name. <laughs> so I was like, I now pronounce you Mr. and Mrs. You're married! <laughs> you, you think knowing your memory, you'd have it like written down on the inside of your hand or something? <laughs> you would have thought... But I forgot. You are horrible with names. Luckily, I guess it was so funny. Everybody thought I did it on purpose. <laughs> well, I guess that's a good thing. They know you. Yep. Everybody know like, you enough. Everybody after the wedding, like the, both the families kept coming up, like, dude, that was a great joke you pulled there at the end. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, totally, bro. Yeah, uh-huh. joke, <laughs> sure. Thank God, nobody here really knows me that well. <laughs> okay, so that leads us into the character we are doing this week. Which is Soren. Soren Markov. Soren Markov. Dracula of the magic universes. As we jump back into magic and with an upcoming set revolving around his grandfather's wedding. Hence the wedding question. Yep. <laughs> so that's kind of where that all came from. For those of you who uh, aren't maybe up to date on the whole magic sets and everything coming out. But uh, let's... Get into this dude, monster. This very, very old person. Okay. Uh, place of birth, Innistrad, age 2,500. And that's an approximate age. Because wow. I never found an official <laughs> exact age. It's all approximately a couple thousand years old. I feel like when certain things get to a certain age in any mythology, it's one of those, like, he's around this time. Yeah, because with the likes of the dragon planeswalkers, Nicole Bolas and Ugin, Sorn is one of the oldest planeswalkers in the entire multiverse. Holy cow. You know, he's back from the original sets that were essentially gods at one point in, in that world, as we kind of briefly touched about all that happening with Liliana. Mm, yep. 
No, uh, wow. So we're getting into actually like one of the top dogs here. Yep. Dang, that's going to be fun. And definitely thinking about his story and how old he is. At a certain point, it seemed like he was just doing a bunch of side quests because he had nothing else better to do in his life. <laughs> just bored of yeah. power. Makes sense. Uh, okay, so what do we got here? Uh, vampire Ascension. So this is how he became a vampire. Okay. So Soren's grandfather, Edgar, who was an alchemist. I almost read that as alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> an, al- an alchemist, non-alcoholic, trying to help his land uh, that were in a famine, eagerly explored dark magic. And would end up making a deal with a demon for the secrets of Sangromancy. Sangromancy? Yep. I'm reading that right. Okay. Yeah. A dark corner of black mana. Edgar would create a blood ritual that granted agelessness and the ability to subsist on blood. Yeah, so Sangromancy is essentially the magic that deals with blood. Oh. I didn't know I didn't know it had a name. Yep. So all you emos out there, you have more power than you think. <laughs> so eventually when Edgar would put his grandson Soren through the process of becoming a vampire, the trauma of the transformation would be so great it would cause Soren's spark to ignite. And it didn't say, because typically when your spark ignites, you get automatically teleported somewhere. It didn't really say where he went. It just said that he did, and he almost immediately just went back to Innistrad. Oh, wow. He, he just straight up went back home. <laughs> Wow, this guy's not really the exploratory type, apparently. I mean, neither was the first character we covered either. Like, she kept going home, like, constantly. True. Either true. that or she kept going here. Because she spent a lot of time of Innistrad with him. Hmm, so she might come up again. Actually, I think extremely briefly. Ah, cool. <laughs> I don't was, remember. It's been a minute since I wrote this. That was just a spitwad <laughs> on, my, on, my, on my side, but uh, we'll find out. Okay, Imprisonment of the Eldrazi. So. For those of you who don't know, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll allow Joker to explain. He he has a better handle on what the Eldrazi actually are. Well, I was also going to explain that similar to Liliana, that now we're going to go be going section to section, similar to like the sets. Oh, okay, okay. But the Eldrazi, they are giant, formless beasts, essentially that would eat planes by feeding off the mana of the plane. So, kind of like parasitic Eldritch horrors. Pretty much, and they essentially are Elder Cores because they reside in what, I don't remember exactly what it's called, but it's like the Blind Eternities that's between each plane. So they're essentially giant Elder Cores. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> I thought Cthulhu was ugly. <laughs> okay, uh, so sometimes after this, um, the imprisonment of the Eldrazi. Sometimes after his ascension in the long-distant past, Soren's attention was drawn to the Eldrazi on Zendikar. Zendikar? Yeah. Zendikar. Soren would decide to ally with two other planeswalkers to trap them. He would work with Zendikar, native Nahiri, a core lithomancer, and Ugin... Another ancient dragon planeswalker and twin to Nicole Bolas, originally from the plane of Dominaria. There you go. Using a special hedron matrix in the plane of Zendikar, the Eldrazi were forced into physical form where the three planeswalkers would imprison them. 
The power of the spell was concentrated in cavern known as Eye of Uyen. Unfortunately, this would bring great strife to the plane and its inhabitants and ultimately doom them. Uh, but save the multiverse in the end. The three agreed that if the results of their ritual were ever disturbed, all three would return to Zendikar as, and they departed. So they'd all make a deal that if for any reason they needed to, they'd come back and re-imprison them. So kind of like the opening of every like 90s action movie? Pretty much, yeah. Or uh, the movie It? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, makes sense. Guy, that's, a, that's a pretty classic trope. Also, yeah, no, that kind of sucks for that universe, though. For that, that plane? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, just like, yo, uh, just so you all know, you're all going to die, but good news, we're saving the other ones. It's that concept of the one person isn't as important as the many. Oh, no, and I, I fully agree with it in that. just always like, when you really think about it, it's one of those things that's like, wow, this is, this is actually pretty terrible, guys. But, uh, you know. Necessary evil. They would actually end up, you know, pissing off one of his friends, as we learn here very shortly. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's get into it. So, however, some centuries later, the Eldrazi managed to free themselves from their prison, ethereally, but not physically. Unable to depart, they started to consume Zandikar from within. Soren was called to the plane by Nahiri to assist... But he did not heed the call to assist, leading to a conflict between the planeswalkers who were once friends. Oh, that's kind of a it's kind of a D move. Well, we kind of learn a little bit more about that later, um, and some of the other issues later on between the two of them, and why he didn't necessarily heed said call. Um, it wasn't entirely intentional. Oh, okay. So other factors kind of. Yep. And also by this time, um, if I remember correctly, when they, he, she doesn't obviously only call Soren, she calls Ugin too, but uh, spoiler alert, he's dead by this point, so he can't heed the call. Oh, dang. And uh, part of his magic was kind of instrumental in the uh, formation of how their prison was. Yeah. Well, that's not good. That's... Yeah, it wasn't great. Mm, okay, well, uh, let's, uh, I guess, proceed. <laughs> so, getting to the next point, which would partially, understandably, it's understandable why he chose to do this, but at the same time, he kind of became the biggest enemy to his own people. Because um, over the centuries, back on um, Innistrad, as vampires would spread f- further into human lands, Soren spent more and more time away from his home world. Sometimes he'd disappear for years at a time. Uh, vampires would be- become distasteful of the race from which they had spawned, hunting mortal humans more and more boldly, and Soren became distant uh, from his own lineage. From his world-hopping perspective, he could see the changes happening within his home world. As the vampires gained more and more power, the humans were being driven further and further back, suffering under the boots of his grandfather's legacy. It would only be a matter of time before the vampires w- would wipe out uh, by the former kin. Ooh, yeah, no, um... That is always kind of one of the problems with every vampire movie or book where it's like, our final solution, it's like, you mean our food source? Right. <laughs> You're getting rid of our food source? Like, that's one thing I always hated when they're like, we're going to wipe out humanity. I'm like, I I would prefer we didn't do that. 
And that's pretty much exactly what Soren tried to stop them from doing. He even tried to talk to him first before going to this measure. A lot of people always wonder, like, why would you do that? I'm like, well, you know, look at our planet. We're not doing any better. Exactly. <laughs> so I kind of get it. <laughs> okay. So in order for humanity to survive and keep vampires from cannibalizing each other, once humanity, humanity perished, you know, kind of like humans in apocalypse movies do every time. Oh, yeah. Soren committed something that forever marked him as a traitor to his race. Soren would forge a warrior who could hold back the vampires and other threats that threatened the extinction of humanity on Innistrad. He named this creation Avacyn and tasked the angel with protecting the plane in his absence. So the church was born from Soren's act, and while some of the vampires understood, most reviled him as a traitor. Avacyn's the angel? Yep, and he's the creator of Avacyn. Because he saw what his people were doing, and eventually he saw what it would lead to. So he created a way to at least slow them down to where if it was going to happen, it was going to take a lot longer to be to get to the point of cannibalizing themselves. And in theory, uh, if it can just at least slow it down for humans to breed and repopulate, yeah. it theoretically could maintain the balance of hunter versus prey. But it also helped, as it said in part of that in, uh, paragraph, is that it also helped, she also helped protect them against like werewolves, okay. uh, zombies, and other horrors of Innistrad. So it wasn't just the vampires she was fighting. But because it was a vampire that created her, most of the other vampires hated him because of it. Because they saw it as a kind of an F you to his own race. It, it's almost kind of like when your parents first take you to get a shot. And you're like, why have you betrayed me, mother? Well, you know, the <laughs> the joke always online about the dog going to the vet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's actually a pretty good analogy. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, I see their issue with it, but... At the same time, we see why he chose to do it. Yeah, and it it makes sense. Yep. So, yeah, no, uh, troubled times. Moving on to a little bit later, unknown to Soren, the Eldrazi would stir on Zendikar, but Nahiri had dealt with this uh, situation alone. When she later came to Innistrad, Soren explained to her the signal uh, for help had been likely absorbed by the Hell Vault. Uh, but displayed no remorse for his uh, oversight. So the Hell Vault was kind of a, along with Avacyn, part of a way to help protect the plane. It was a place he, he could, like, banish demons to. Ooh, okay. Yeah, which he kind of does during some of this. <laughs> um, when Nahiri confronted him with the gravity of his mistake, Soren became offended and angrily reminded her, who, uh, reminded her of who raised her as a planeswalker and advised her to pester Ugin instead. Nahiri saw this betrayal of their bond and chose to physically threaten Soren. This would result in Avacyn's intervention. Who felt the threat that Nahiri posed to Innistrad, the two would clash until Soren called the battle off and banished Nahiri into the Hell Vault. Oh! Oh, dang. Yeah. Ooh, that's... Mm. Wow, (laughs) that's actually... That sucks, bro. <laughs> yeah. And eventually later on, that's also where uh, Avison would disappear to later for a large portion of the story, too. Because she got in a fight with a demon, and they both got banished into the Hell Vault. 
Now, this Hellvolt is starting to sound like something that's almost more trouble than it's worth. It, it really was. <laughs> like, like it's one of those things you build it. It's like I get it. It's a great thing, and then after a while, you're like, guys, we need to get rid of this. It's honestly, if it wasn't for the first magic character we talked about, Liliana, it may not have been so bad because it wouldn't have been destroyed. Oh, because it held one of her demon lords that she needed to kill. Ah. So she's kind of the reason it broke in the first place. <laughs> God dang it, Liliana. Yeah. Just walking around mucking things up. Uh, no wonder one of her cards has her as a child in, on one side. Oh, that was to show her beginning. I mean, I get it, but I'm like, she's acting like a child just breaking things. Okay, so moving on, uh, let's go into Return to Zendikar. So in the Return to Zendikar, a millennia after the initial imprisonment of the Eldrazi, and after Nahiri dealt with their stirring once before, the Eldrazi would grow restless again, and Soren returned to Zendikar as per his agreement with the other two planeswalkers. However, his fellow planeswalkers were nowhere to be seen. Unbeknownst to him, Ugin... Uh, was resting in a hedron cocoon after being nearly killed by Nicole Bolas, saved, who was saved by a time-traveling Sarkhan Vol. Uh, in the original timeline, Ugin died in, uh, would die in the original timeline of Takir. Uh, Bolas was eager to see who would answer the call of Ugin after the Eldrazi brood were freed by Sarkhan Vol, Jace Bellerin, and Chandra Nalar. Uh, Soren was forced into action and allied himself with Nyssa Ravane, an elven planeswalker shortly after arriving on Zendikar. And almost immediately, he was beset by the Eldrazi Brood after the dismissing, after dismissing them with a simple spell. Uh, he liberated the vampiric slave Anawan and demanded that the two take him to the Eye of Ugin. That's a lot of chaos, though, that happened. In- <laughs> yeah, I know. Sarkon has definitely him and a couple others have been agents of Nicole and have caused a lot of problems. Apparently, because. Nicole, as we, I think we talked about in um, Liliana's, he's very Palpatine-like, where he had very, very long plans. I mean, when you're an immortal... Well, at this point, he was no longer immortal, but he was still extremely ageless compared to most of us. Okay, <laughs> yep. When you're, when you're going to outlive most of the things, and you look like some dragonish type thing. I know he's not a dragon, but he looks like it. I mean, he is a dragon. He is? Yeah. Oh, God damn. Why do I... He is a dragon planeswalker. Okay. You know, we're, I'm, I'm done talking about Nicole right now. Okay, so moving on here. Uh, once the group arrived at the Eye of Ugin, Soren's plans abruptly changed from what Nisa had promised. Instead of helping Soren reinforce the spell containing the Eldrazi, she shattered the main Hedron and released the enchantment imprisoning the Titans. Uh, that's, that's not good. <laughs> Nisa thought the Titans would, f- would flee, that they would leave Zendikar far behind them. She was wrong, and Soren washed his hands of the foolish elf and the entire plane. Choosing to go about his own business once more since Nisa wouldn't heed his instructions. Yeah, I kind of don't blame him on that. You know, you know, when the older planeswalker tells you not to do this, yeah, and like, you do it anyways, you know, 
at that point, I, I'd be walking off too. Right? It's like, no, I'll break him out. Like, maybe they'll leave. They'll be scared that we'll imprison him again. These are eldritch monsters. They don't they, understand. They will continue to eat your plan that they have already started to do. Yeah, they're just going to continue eating where they left off. They don't care. And to- now you're just making it easier for them to do it. That's all you did. Yeah. I, I would have walked away, too. I No, no. I, yeah, so that was the very brief time he spent in that part of uh, Zendikar's history. <laughs> he was like, okay, I tried to help you. You screwed it up. I'm gone. Yeah, and I do not blame him whatsoever in that decision. Nope. Okay, so yeah, moving on with his story. Uh, or Tarker? Tarkir. Tarkir. Is that the set? Yes. Ah, the so, name. This set, thanks to Sarkin and some other magic, it is split up in two sections because it has two timelines. <laughs> timelines. I hate timelines. I'll, I'll take the first one because I think there's some words you may have some issues with. Okay. A, issue, a word. I will <laughs> gladly allow that. So in the original timeline of Tukir, Soren would journey to the plane, guided by visions of a dark oracle. Uh, he sought to solve the mystery of what actually became of Ugin and why the dragon did not appear on Zinnikar when the time came. With the help of a Timur warrior, Soren went into Ugin's domain. He learned that not only were dragons extinct, extinct on Tarkir, but that Ugin was dead and his bones were covered by ancient magic. Ugin had died long ago at the hands of Nicole Bolas. Dude, Nicole has, like, no chill. Oh, no, he, he wanted to be the, the stronger one. And I think technically at this point, he, him and Ugin were just, like, rival dragons. They weren't even brothers. Oh. That was a very fairly recent addition to magic lore that they are twins. Really? Yeah. Which I don't, I don't know if I know what Ugin looks like. Is he the like the gray blue one? Yeah, he's the one that's that... just a spirit dragon. Oh, okay, because we don't have enough a real physical form for him anymore. Okay, I was I was just I was like because I remember when that car came out, I was like, oh Nicole, and you're like that's Ugin. Yeah. Okay, that was so a whole other dragon. That actually does make sense though, because they 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 do look they look similar. Yeah. I mean, the biggest difference obviously is their horns, but. Yeah, but look similar enough that I mistaked him. So. Yep. Okay, so uh, yeah, there's the old timeline. Now let's get into the new timeline. Soren journeyed to the plain of Tarkir for the same reason as the original timeline. This time with the help of Atarka warrior, of an Atarka warrior, Soren traveled to Ugin's Hedron Cocoon, Sorn awoke, awakened Ugin from his slumber and informed him of the freed Eldrazi. Ugin thanked Sorin for releasing him and instructed Sorin to find Nahiri, warning the vampire that he did not wish to see your face without hers. So yeah, obviously he didn't know about their little fallout that happened on... Uh... Before Zendikar. Yeah. So as far as Ugin was like, I don't want to see you without her. Which did not go over well with uh, Soren. Uh, Furious Soren then left without comment, musing that things were easier when he only had his own world to worry about. (laughs) Yeah. But I feel like at the same point, it's like, 
So, Warren, you still only have your own, your own world to worry about. If you just leave everything else alone. Yeah, if you didn't get involved to begin with. You know, it's like, I get it why he got involved with the Eldrazi, but it's like, it'd be a lot easier if you just left that alone. Yeah. Another planeswalker would have shown up eventually. Yeah. Might not have been let much left of that planes, but you know, <laughs> wouldn't have been your problem. Oh man. That's uh that's gotta be an awkward moment though. Of just like, yeah, your friend being resurrected. It's like, it was the other one. Well, I want to see you without her. It's like, oh, uh. That's going to be problematic. We're on bad terms right now. She's kind of uh, been banished to another dimension by me. You know, like a hellscape one. So I'm (laughs) arguably, I don't even know if she's alive. (laughs) If we're being legit here, bro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's got to be a tough one, Phil. Okay. So now we get to the shadows over Innistrad. And upon his return, Soren would find Markov Manor in ruins. Twisted into impossible shapes, its inhabitants embedded into the masonry. Nahiri had left this as this declaration in stone as warning of her vengeance. Uh, realizing his past had come back to haunt him, of course. Always does. <laughs> uh, he had hoped to gain uh, gather the aid of the other vampires to confront the threat to Innistrad. A difficult task because he was shunned by his own kind. Um, his search would bring him to a remote estate of the powerful Olivia Voldaren to enter her... to. In- Entreat her aid in calling the bloodline. In order to secure the help of the other vampires battling Nahiri and claiming Markov Manor, Soren would reluctantly agree to destroy Avicen, who by this time had been corrupted by Nahiri's magic. Oh, that's because at this point in the story, uh, Avicen started uh, hunting down humans. Oh, wow. No, that's not. Mm. She was corrupted. Essentially, she wasn't necessarily even corrupted. She was just, her eyes, her, essentially her eyes were open to the corruption humanity has. And she saw a very bad example of a mother mistreating a kid. And yeah, she decided that humans did not deserve her protection anymore. (laughs) Your very classic angel gained sentience story. Pretty much, yeah. Oh man, that's uh, it's one of those like I, I want to be like, oh, that's like, but I'm like, I'm like, I really have no argument against like for her not to do what she's doing, right? Because she's like, mankind doesn't deserve my protection. I don't, she's not wrong. She's not wrong. <laughs> <It's> really not. <laughs> okay, so moving on, um, in the story, uh. Despite the deal Soren had made with Olivia Valderon, he initially tried to reason with his angel to take her down to the cathedral cellar where he could cleanse her mind of madness. Avicen, in a moment of lucidity, blamed him for what happened, for having her made weak and corruptible so that she could be turned against the innocent. She condemned him as... Innistrad's greatest evil, believing that he, her creator, was responsible for everything that she could do, and therefore was responsible for her madness. They fought a battle that nearly tore the cathedral apart. In the end, Soren overpowered Avacyn, draining her blood and slamming her body through the chapel floor, all the way down to the cellar. 
There, he once again pleaded with her, offering to make her anew and cleanse her mind. But whether due to her madness or a personal revelation about her own nature, Avison refused, stating that if I am not the daughter you want, then we must battle again and again forever. For I will never yield. I am no monster's instrument. I will not be altered by the likes of you. And so 1,000 years after creating Avacyn to maintain the balance between humans and the supernatural, Soren was forced to unmake his corrupted guardian in the same spot where she was born. With Avacyn's destruction, the last of Soren's magic protections woven over Innistrad was broken. That's sad. <laughs> yeah, it, it really was. And it, it's in one of the cards, and just seeing the art is really kind of upsetting. Yeah, like, oh, wow, that. And also, kind of appropriate art card name as well, because it's uh, Anguished Unmaking. That's very appropriate. Though. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a downer. Right. <laughs> that was a, a real. Uh... Yeah, I just, I just, I just watched a sad movie the other day. I didn't, I wasn't expecting it coming to this. Okay, um, yeah, let's move on. Let's see if there's a little bit. I don't even want to discuss that last whole incident, other than saying it very much resembled the story of Lucifer and God. I and yeah, pretty much. Like, and yeah, unfortunately, yeah, like you said, it, she gained sentience, and that was the problem. Yep, and she realized way too much. Oh man, that's yeah. Now, move on. Read the so, paragraph. <laughs> after destroying his angel, Soren would suddenly realize what Nahiri had been doing, and that he played right into her plan. Promptly, Imrakul, the last surviving Eldrazi Titan, would arrive on Innistrad. Soren and Olivia would assemble a vampire army and went to war against Nahiri, while Liliana Vest tried to save the populace with the zombie army. Uh, Sorn and Nahiri would battle in Markov Manor, where he was bested by the Lithomancer encased in stone. Uh, Nahiri would planeswalk away, leaving Sorn to watch Emrakul devastate Innistrad. And kind of the worst part about the way she encased him was she pricked it. She would create enough like little tiny pricks that it was constantly stabbing him. So he couldn't focus to planeswalk away. Oh. So he was just stuck in this encasing, just in constant pain for, honestly, who knows how long, because we don't know how he got out of this. Oh, damn. Um, but Olivia Valderin that then would taunt Sorn by proclaiming herself the new Lord of Innistrad. She would relieve him of his sword, leaving him to his fate. You know, the typical, I'm going to be better than you, but I'm not going to kill you like I should. So many problems and conflicts and stories could just be ended if the person just straight up murked the person. Right. But I guess we don't want, you know, we don't want, is we don't want, um, Soren dying. So, you know, he's yeah. a good one. He's a good, so, you know, good thing that this person has an ego. Right. <laughs> like, Which uh, definitely leads into the current set. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I saw a preview for the current set. Uh, and we'll, we'll definitely get a, doc, a tiny bit about that at the end. Okay. So here we go. War of the spark. 
Apparently free from his stone prison, which, as we discussed, no idea how long he was in there. Or how the hell he got out. That's a good question, they've never Because they've never revealed that on how he managed to get out of that stone. Maybe got angry enough eventually they just literally physically broke out. <laughs> or somebody finally broke him out. Not being that, nice. I don't know. That too. So, Soren was, so after eventually breaking from his prison, Soren was lured to Ravnica by the interplanar beacon and immediately became trapped there. Oh, my God. Man, right out of one trap into another <laughs> due to Bolus's use of the immortal sun. It is unknown how Soren freed himself. The beacon itself may have pulled him to Ravnica or at least provided enough of a focus for him to concentrate on something other than this plane. Other than his pain. Oh, other than his pain. But yeah, that, that is the closest anybody's come to giving an idea of what happened. So the way the the beacon worked and the way the set worked is everybody, like all the planeswalkers were attracted to this beacon. And that's how they all showed up on Ravnica. Okay. Uh, and then they got trapped by the Immortal Sun that prevented people from planeswalking away. I was about to ask you what the Immortal Sun was. That was one. I think we briefly talked about it on Liliana's. There's definitely something we'll talk a lot more if we ever do Jace or uh, Vraska. Because okay. their story directly ties into it. Okay. Uh, when he found out that Nahiri was on the plane as well. He would immediately go after her, as not even a threat to the entire multiverse could persuade him to put aside their feud. You know, at that point, I think there's a problem <laughs> when when you started out trying to protect the multiverse with her, and now you just don't care because you're that pissed off at a person. Yeah. Um, dang, bro. Like, we read what you two did to each other. It really, like, are you with anybody? Anybody should be pissed off. She should be the most... She should be angry at him the most. Eh, it, part of it was that it's thought that some of the protections he put on the plane had blocked out her call to him. So that's why he didn't hear her. Yeah. So, I mean, off of that, it's not really his fault he didn't come to her. And then she just took that personally and but, but went, like, went off on him. I'm saying at this point in the story, though, I think she has more cause to be angry at him after being put in the demon box. Yeah, that, I mean, yes, after that happened, yes. That's what... But leading up to that... Leading up to it, no, they're both... She kind of got herself into the demon box. Leading up to it, as far as I can tell, they're both idiots. Oh, but yeah. after the demon box, I feel like he doesn't have as much presence to be angry at her. <laughs> She's the one who I feel has the presence to be like, you locked me in a box with demons, you jerk. Yeah, and then she locked him in a piece of stone that can constantly stabbed him. Okay, actually, yeah, no, valid, valid. <laughs> so it's just a lot of... It's similar to the whole Dracula story where something happened to him, he did something back. It was just a lot of back and forth between these two. Dude, somebody's got to call it at some point. <laughs> uh, eventually. Okay. Um, but yeah, ignoring the battle that would rage around them, they would end up just fighting in single combat instead. <laughs> Completely ignoring... You know, Nicole, his army of zombies, the other planeswalkers, they just didn't <laughs> care. 
I don't know why. Just I just in my brain, I just imagine this scene: planeswalkers all fighting Nicole, and just these two just like going at it, like back and forth, like throwing each other into walls and stuff. And they're just like, "Is it? Are like who? Are is any one of us gonna stop? It's like, do you want us to take your focus off Nicole? Okay, fair. So th- we're just gonna let them. Pretty much, yeah. cool. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's kind of comedical when you think about it. However, they later came to a temporary truce, joining forces against the Eternals. Oh, wow. Flashbacks there. (laughs) Against the Eternals uh, of Bolas' Dreadhorde. Yeah. They were among the few planeswalkers who chose to remain on Ravnica after Chandra disabled the Immortal Sun. Helping the Gatewatch in their fight against Bolas. So apparently somewhere in that fight, they realized what was actually going on around them. They're like, that's slightly more important. We should probably put this on hold for a second. And apparently they agreed to put it on hold for a second. This whole is thing, amazing. This whole thing is reading like a Dragon Ball Z movie. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> like, that, that's all I'm reading here right now. Oh, man. That's beautiful. Right. <laughs> um, so it's unknown after the fight with Bolas what would happen to Soren. Although it has been confirmed that both him and Nahiri survived. And at this point, it can only be assumed they'll they'll resume their feud at some point. Okay. I mean, knowing both those characters at this point. Yeah. yeah. They'll be back at each other. Okay. So moving on here, we have... Ooh. We have a very small section for the most recent set. The Midnight Hunt. That he was mentioned in, but he has no actual part of that set. Okay. And he has very little that we know of coming up so far. All right, so for an unknown reason, Soren would return home to Instrad. Soren finds himself battling Sigarda. Sigarda is the oldest and last surviving of Innistrad's archangels that predates Avacyn. Oh, so there were other angels. Yep. So it's actually amusing because a lot of the fans have dubbed them the Powderpuff Girls because <laughs> there are three sisters. They all have white in their color, and they have there's a red, a white, and or red, blue, and green. That's adorable. So, yeah, they, they have been dubbed the Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> but, yeah, these three Archangels. And we find out later there's a fourth one that has black. So they have all five colors in the Archangels. Oh, wow. But they all predate by quite a while Avacyn. Avacyn was just created. They all kind of followed her after she was created because she was seen as that pure white angel that was better than even all of them. Oh, dang. And she was also kind of stronger than all of them, too. But... <laughs> Wow. That's a pretty beast. <laughs> yeah, and the, the other two of the surviving archangels, or the other two archangels, they uh, they got melded together by the Eldrazi. They became an Eldrazi horror. So that's what happened to those. That's why Cigar is the last one. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, that's not good. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> I don't, I don't. I don't like that. <laughs> Angels and Eldrazi, Eldrazi horrors. That's yeah, not a great combo. It, it was not. <laughs> so moving on. So uh, 
unlike most planeswalkers that we'll probably ever talk about, he actually has a weapon that is synonymous with him. Oh, what? Um, it's called the Parasite Blade. It's a two-handed sword enchanted to reflect Soren's own vampiric nature and his magic powers. It is a thirsty sword that feeds off the mana of the creature it cuts. A single cut can turn a very large creature into ash in a matter of seconds. Whoa! This sword would be taken from him by Olivia Voldaren after she encased him, after he was encased in stone by Nahiri. Um, so in War of the Spark, he was depicted with a similar-looking sword, but it's assumed at this point it was probably just another sword, as it's unclear whether he retrieved it from Olivia or not. Mm, okay. So as far as we know, she still has it. But because she kind of took that in her proclamation of becoming the, her the new Lord of Innistrad. Um, yeah, makes sense in that the sword, you know, take the iconic weapon of the original leader and that, yeah, kind of like a crown type situation. Pretty much. Oh man, I kind of hope he gets it back because uh, so far, like I, I saw a preview of her. Of the new set, like uh, one of the animated previews. Yeah, it which, was a beautiful preview. Which honestly, like at this point, all of the all of Magic the Gathering's previews are becoming cinematically gorgeous. They really are. But, like watching that one, I'm like, oh, this is a, this is an evil woman. Oh yeah, and like the whole point from what little I've actually gathered of the set and even been able to see of the story, like she is. So Olivia is marrying Soren's grandfather that they've managed to find because I guess he disappeared for a while. Sleeping in his coffin. Huh. But she is planning to marry his grandfather and what obviously can be assumed as a grab for power as I am becoming the Lord of Innistrad, merging the two greatest vampire houses of the plane. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, I feel like <laughs> is his great grandfather like mentally with it. Cause like, I, I don't know. I just imagine them finding the coffin, opening up and being like, you've been lost for centuries. What? Well, I mean, this dude is so old. Like, even in his new art, he looks ancient. And this is also literally the progenitor of every vampire on the plane. So he predates every one of them. Holy. So he is old. (laughs) So, like, theoretically, I don't know how the vampire rules work in this universe universe we're in now. Uh, If we kill him, all the other ones die or... uh, I have no idea how their whole, like you said, I don't know how the mythology works in there. Okay. So I, based on what I've seen of other vampire houses in the, in the story, I don't think so. Okay. Because some of the other houses have had their leaders die and they're still going. So, okay. Granted, that also could be that because Edgar's still around too and being the original progenitor. The house-specific progenitor may not actually have anything to do with that. True, because like it's it's one of those more things of like that could easily be a reason why she wouldn't just kill him and take the well, power. Like, but also this way, marrying him diplomatically, it, it gives her more power because it merges her house with his. Yep, and diplomatically, it does put her more. It it make it easier. There'd be less rebellion, and it's also the ultimate middle finger to Soren. That's becoming his grandmother, I guess. Technically, Technically great grandmother. Uh, <laughs> not, not great. Uh, no, Ed- Edgar's just his grandfather. Oh, okay. So yes, technically grandmother. So yeah. Um, what do you think, Joker? You a fan? I mean, 
Next to Liliana, he is definitely my favorite Planeswalker because he's just that. He has that kind of I don't give an F attitude about everything. And he's just kind of there at this point in his story. He doesn't really have a plan. He's just kind of side quest hopping. <laughs> and not going to lie, I like I, I don't know as much about the magic characters as you do. And that's so it's always hard for me to be a fan. But honestly, I kind of really do like this guy's story. Right. Maybe I'm biased because I'm also a fan of stuff like Dracula. So I mean, we're slightly biased because we're vampire fans. Yep. So you know what? I'm a fan. For anyone that's still listening, if you got something out of this, enjoyed the episode, or even liked the character before from a movie, a comic, cartoon, hell, even that t-shirt that you saw one time, you're a fan too. If you want to jump on this train, why not subscribe and share with a friend? Dick Rail out. Y'all keep riding them rails.